Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Chris Wallace has put out his topics for the debate next Tuesday, Mr. Producer. And basically, it's anything and everything. I didn't notice a lot on there about foreign policy, which concerns me. Given that the President of the United States has done a fantastic job in the Middle East. He's been nominated for two Nobel Peace Prizes. I didn't see anything about foreign policy in the Middle East. I don't have that list in front of me right now, but my recollection is, well, here, let's look. The topics. Uh, this is according to Axios, which is a left-wing site, so we'll, we'll keep that in mind. But they're going to look at, uh, let's see, will be Biden's record, Trump's record, the Supreme Court, COVID-19, economic policy, racism and the integrity of the election, the Commission for Presidential Debates announced. There's not one thing here on foreign policy, not one thing here on China. Isn't that important, particularly when you're questioning Joe Biden, Mr. Producer? I sure hope they haven't put the finger on the, uh, on the scale here. Uh, racism and the integrity of the election. So as I say, much of this is predictable. We've been hearing about it day in and day out, but it would have been nice to have uh, the Middle East, Israel, uh, given there are serious distinctions there about foreign policy between this president and the former vice president. I see nothing on here about the military and national security. Nothing. I see nothing in here about immigration and securing the border. Not a word. Uh, So COVID-19. Well, Mr. President, let let me try this. May I try this, Mr. Producer? 
Let me, let, me, let me run through this. I wasn't planning on this, but let's have some fun. A COVID-19. Your opponent says, uh, Mr. President, that you didn't act fast enough. Uh, Bob Woodward says that you downplayed it. Over 200,000 people have died. The vice president says you're responsible for it. How do you react? What's your answer? In other words, how often have you beaten your wife? So that'll be a question for the president, and that's probably the way it'll be framed. We'll see. Supreme Court to the president of the United States. Given the fact that your party would not allow the the Obama nominee, Merrick Garland, at the very end of his presidency, even have an up or down vote, let alone a hearing. Why do you think it's okay that you should get a vote on your nominee? And is that really fair? So you'll get something like that that provides, I'm guessing, no historical context. Racism. Mr. President, you've said some things out there, you know. At Charlottesville, so that could be twisted. And do you believe there's systemic racism and inequality? And do you believe the nation was founded on, on an unequal basis, Mr. President? You think I'm right about this, Mr. Producer? Well, we'll you know, mark this down. We'll see how it goes, okay? The integrity of the election. Don't you think, Mr. President... Your constant reframe and your attack on the mail-in system uh, could be said to undermine the integrity of the vote. Uh, You've said that uh, you may not accept the results of the election or you're going to wait. Uh, Do you think that's appropriate? Are you prepared to accept the results of the election? I think I'm here. I think think that's the way it's going to go. We'll see. As I say, I see nothing here on, uh, on a variety of very big topics. It's all kind of a, a, a typical liberal domestic approach. Uh, there's not an attack on anybody, by the way. I'm just responding to what I see in front from Axios. And Axios could be completely wrong. Um, just looking here. Well, I think that's enough. So we'll see. We'll see, but there's a number of strong points by the President of the United States, areas that obviously are not going to be raised, uh, and that's too bad. All right, let's get to the Supreme Court. Shall we get to the Supreme Court? I want to ask people in the suburbs who aren't sure they're going to vote for the President or they think they're going to vote for Biden, I want to ask you a question. All of us, but particularly the people in the suburbs who are confounded, perplexed, Frustrated and irritated. What's the purpose of a court? What's the purpose of a court? Many of you, not all of you obviously, have been in front of a judge. What do you want from the judge? Do you want the judge to be driven ideologically? Do you want the judge to have preconceived notions? Do you want the judge to be ruling on bigger issues rather than the case before him or her? No. You want justice. 
equal justice. You want the judge to apply the law to your case. And you believe if the judge applies the law to your case, you'll win or you have a good shot at it. But what if the judge has a bias? I mean, if you're in a county trial court or a state trial court or federal district court, that's what you expect. The appellate court, you want them to look at the, at the law and make sure the lower court apply the law properly to the facts, right? What if you get in front of a court where the justices, the highest court in the land, are of a particular political ideology? I'm not talking about justices who, who try to discern earnestly and studiously what the Constitution means. Because that's their job, whatever they come from. That's the job. That's the oath they take, the faithfully interpret the Constitution, apply the words of the Constitution, try and figure out what the writers of the Constitution meant, and so forth, right? Shouldn't that be their job? But to Schumer and the other louts, that's not their job. And you can hear AOC going on and on about the left-wing radical Marxist agenda, point by point by point by point, that their agenda will be in danger. Their political and ideological agenda will be in danger if they don't get the people they want on the court or if the President of the United States exercises his constitutional authority. And they're saying they're going to add a whole bunch of seats to the court and they're going to put people on the court who share their ideology. Now, people in the suburbs, you get in front of that court. You have an antitrust case, maybe you have an abortion case, You have a contracts case, you have a private property case, you're not going to get a fair hearing. That's the problem with packing a court. This is what the Democrats want to do. It is diabolical, it is evil, and it will destroy the independence of our judicial system. Has that changed anybody's mind who's thinking about voting for Biden in the suburbs? I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today, we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well, it's a pleasure, pleasant surprise. We have the Vice President of the United States, Mike Pence, with us. How are you, sir? I'm well, Mark. Great to be back on the Mark Levin Show. Thank you for your clarion voice. Thank you, sir. Airwaves of America and uh, and also that uh, interview with President Trump. 
on your broadcast this weekend. One for the books. You like that one? You, you well, notice, think, Mr. Yeah, Vice really, President, yeah, I, I let him speak. Yeah. Well, that's the kind, that's what I love about that show broadly. But I, uh, I, I can tell you that uh, just you know, Abraham Lincoln, who's uh, may well be my second favorite president. Um, yeah. I know who my first is, but Abraham right. Lincoln said, "Give the people the facts, and the republic will be saved." That's what I love about uh, about that uh, broadcast is you just bring people on and let them talk. And I know the president uh, the president enjoyed the time together, and we're just all grateful for your voice, Mark. Thank you, sir. All right, let's hit a few issues here. Even before we get to the Supreme Court, shockingly, yeah. uh, Biden and the Democrats are trying to pin these coronavirus deaths on the president, uh, which is really quite grotesque. Uh, I'm sure they'll try and do that during uh, your debate with uh Harris of the Harris-Biden administration. And I'm looking at the list here. Deaths per 100,000 in population. New Jersey's number one. New York's number two. Massachusetts, number three. Connecticut, number four. Louisiana with a Democrat governor, number five. Rhode Island, number six. Mississippi, number seven. D.C., number eight. Arizona, nine. Michigan, ten. So basically we have eight out of ten. And in the top six... Democrat-run states. You ran the task force, Mr. Vice President. Were you the one telling these governors to put coronavirus-positive patients in with elderly people, frail people in nursing homes and assisted living homes? Well, no, nothing of the kind. In fact, as you know, Mark, the CDC gave very clear guidance about the circumstances that uh, that uh, that people should ever be considered to be returned, and they were yeah. they were disregarded, especially by the state of New York. But look, this is a it's a heartbreaking milestone today, and uh, I can tell you, not a day has gone by uh, over the course of this pandemic that I haven't thought of the families that have lost loved ones. And I want to say to any of them, in the sound of my voice today, you have always been in our hearts, and this day you're in our prayers. But I am convinced having led this coronavirus task force for the president now for the last eight months, that, uh, that, uh, that but for President Trump's decisive action, suspending all travel from China, declaring a public health emergency, standing up our task force in January, launching the greatest mobilization uh, it, since World War II. With, we just cleared 100 million tests having been performed. We... we we saw to the, the creation, the manufacture, the distribution of hundreds of millions of supplies, medicines developed, and we are literally on track to have the first coronavirus vaccine in the world before the end of this year. I'm absolutely convinced that because of the president's leadership, uh, because of healthcare workers all across this country and the cooperation of the American people, that we literally saved hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of American lives over the last eight months. We mourn with those who mourn. We grieve with those who grieve. But I'm absolutely convinced that the cooperation of the American people are incredible, healthcare workers and first responders. And this president's relentless leadership from the early days of this pandemic uh, saved lives across the country. Did Kamala Harris ever call you on the phone and say, look, Mr. Vice President, uh, politics aside, uh, election aside, what can I, Kamala Harris, do to help you in the task force? No, I never got that call. And, uh, and, and frankly, as you know, 
we've left politics outside the door of the Situation Room. I, I convened a call yesterday with all 50 of the nation's governors. We, the president said, I want a seamless partnership with every governor in America, regardless of politics. And, and at the president's direction, we literally surged testing and PPE and ventilators all across uh, the nation. And uh, I, I just have to tell you, uh, when it comes to the vaccine issue, I, I just think it is um, – it really is uh, reckless and irresponsible that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are undermining confidence in a vaccine. I know when you spoke to the president on your broadcast over the weekend, the president spoke about the incredible progress that our pharmaceutical companies have been making since he brought them into the White House early in this pandemic and said, I need medicines for the American people in record time. I need a vaccine in record time. We cleared the red tape out of the way without compromising safety and effectiveness. And, uh, and, but to have Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, out undermining public confidence in a vaccine is just utterly irresponsible. And they need to stop playing politics with American lives. We, we know that, that the day that the FDA approves a safe and effective vaccine because of Operation Warp Speed, we're going to have tens of millions of doses available for the American people. And the last thing we need is, is people like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, undermining the confidence of the American people, uh, particularly the most vulnerable among us uh, who, uh, who, who need to have access and confidence when that American vaccine is available. We, we've got one minute before you take off on your plane and the network cuts me off. One minute. The Democrats are threatening to pack the Supreme Court, to pack the United States Senate, to kill the filibuster rule if they don't get their way on the Supreme Court nomination where the president and the Senate are following their obligations. By the way, they've made these threats before. What is your reaction to this? Well, I think it's outrageous that uh, Democrats in the Senate say that if the president does his duty under the Constitution of the United States to appoint uh, a new justice to the Supreme Court, that they'll pack the court uh, if they win the White House uh, and, uh, and win the Senate. Uh, on November the 3rd. But I think the American people are listening. They hear it. Uh, they can see that the, the president is doing his duty. We welcome news uh, that uh, almost every Republican uh, in the Senate is, uh, is open to consideration and a vote on the president's nominee. We're going to do our part. Uh, we're going to get a great nominee forward this weekend. We're going to drive forward right. toward a vote. And then come Election Day, we're going to make sure we have Four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House, the Republican Senate, and the Republican House of Representatives. All right, Mr. Vice President. God bless you. Safe travels, and thank you, sir. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America— the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. 
Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. The vice president is a very decent man, and he's very sharp. He's a man of family and faith. Just uh, just really terrific. And he brought up the show, Sunday night show, on Life, Liberty, and Levin, where I interviewed the president. And I hope many of you saw that show because I let the president actually express himself about all topics, whether it was Fox, whether it was whatever it was. And um, it was a massively huge rated show for 8 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday up against football. Three million viewers. That's unheard of on a Sunday evening on cable. Unheard of. So obviously we left everybody else in the dust. There was no serious competition. That's because people want to hear what the president has to say. They appreciate a long form interview where he can actually express himself. And when you watched that interview, as I was watching it live when I was interviewing him, you realize how much substance he has and how much detail he knows about all these subjects. And what happens is, if he goes on an ABC George Stephanopoulos town hall, and we now know that that was a complete setup. George Stephanopoulos is a sleazeball. I don't know when our people are going to learn it. Bob Woodward is a sleazeball. They're hacks. They're hitmen. So don't waste your time with these people. You're not going to convince them of anything. They are there to ruin you. And so when they want to get argumentative, or they want to say, see, gee, gotcha, stuff like that, that doesn't inform the American people. And I'm, I'm hoping that these moderators, whether it's Chris Wallace and others in other debates, I hope they, they understand that these debates are not about them. It's not about gotcha. It's not about playing games. It's about the American people having a right to discern who they want to vote for. And they want information from the candidates about where they stand on various things. And if the candidates want to go out, all the better. But the moderator has to conduct him or herself as if they're really not even noticed. So no setup questions. No finger on the scales. No, I gotcha. You said this four weeks ago, and then you said this, this. No quotes from Bob Woodward. The American people need to know where the president and others, and that would be Biden, obviously, where they stand on the various issues. And why they stand on those issues. That's the purpose. And if they want to debate each other directly... The moderator should allow that to happen, facilitate that, and step back. Uh, I, I don't have high hopes because we've now seen a lot of these debates where they, uh, with a moderator, a moderator is really 
go center stage, and then they're praised by their colleagues. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I want to talk about the Supreme Court, but since I brought it up with the vice president, Joe Biden keeps bringing up the death numbers, and they're trying to pin it on the president of the United States. And they've obviously done polling, and it's obviously becoming effective. It's also disgusting and unconscionable. And I want to repeat what I told the vice president because I had to go quickly given the short time that he had. When you look at deaths per 100,000 on population and you look at the states, you will find that the, the top six states with the worst record are run by Democrats. The worst in terms of deaths per 100,000, New Jersey. The second worst, New York. The third worst, Massachusetts. They have a liberal governor and a Democrat legislature. But that governor might as well be a Democrat. He's like Hogan of Maryland. The fourth worst, Connecticut. Democrat. The fifth worst, Louisiana. Democrat governor. The sixth worst, Rhode Island. All Democrat. Then you have Mississippi. You have Washington, D.C., Democrat, Arizona, Republican, Michigan, Democrat. So out of the top 10 with the worst death records per 100,000, eight of them are Democrat-run. The top six are Democrat. Then I decided to look up to the moment now, the number of deaths. New York, as I speak has had just under 34,000 deaths. New Jersey has over 16,000 deaths. So over 50,000 of the 200,000 deaths that have taken place in this country that are attributed to, rightly or wrongly, the coronavirus, 25% of them occurred in two states that are run by one party, the Democrat Party. 25% of them. Over 40% of the deaths, last time figures were available, over 40% of the deaths that have occurred have occurred with people who've been in nursing homes or assisted living homes. That's 0.06% of the population. Now think about that. 80,000 of the deaths out of the 200,000, if those percentages are still correct, and they're the last ones I saw from the CDC, 80,000 of the 200,000 were senior citizens in nursing homes and assisted living homes who are frail, obviously. And this is where these Democrat governors put out these directives in New York, in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in Illinois, in California, and a whole other bunch of states, ordering nursing homes and assisted living homes to take people with corona-positive viruses. How do you blame the President of the United States for this, Mr. Producer? 
And they're blaming the President of the United States for decisions he did not make. While these governors were doing this in New Jersey and New York and throughout the country, the President every single day was trying to to get testing in order because the CDC and the FDA and Mr. Fauci didn't have any effective tests. So they had to start from scratch. The president was told by Cuomo and Murphy and the others, Newsom, we need ventilators, 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 because their health people were telling them people are going to be on ventilators. So what's the president do? Plants that used to make automobiles, plants that were dormant, were turned into active assembly lines making a very complicated piece of equipment, ventilators. Thousands and thousands of ventilators were produced over a two to three month period. And the vast majority of them were not needed. The governors were wrong. The governors had made decisions about the building of hospitals. Please listen carefully. The expansion of hospitals. These are decisions governors make, not the President of the United States, not the federal government. And you'll remember in the case of New York, Cuomo, among others, had decided not to expand hospitals. In fact, they pulled back. Now, what does that mean? That means you have less hospital beds. These are decisions that were made years before Donald Trump was even President of the United States. And so the President uses the United States military and the Army Corps of Engineers, as you well know, to create thousands of hospital beds. Basically, huge emergency rooms. And he sends our two medical ships, one to the East Coast for New York, one to the West Coast for L.A., And they're essentially not used. The Javits Center, over a thousand beds, essentially not used. And those weren't the only ones. The Samaritan Project under Franklin Graham was not used. So the president didn't just respond to the requests. He muscled up in every respect. In areas where it turns out the governors didn't even need the muscle. And he's working with pharmaceutical companies, experts throughout the country, scientists, top medical people. From day one, he wants to develop therapeutics and vaccines. He knows he has a problem. The FDA is a massive bureaucracy. The CDC, NIH, HHS. He has his task force that he assigned. And he slashes the regulations, not to cut corners on safety and health. He slashes the timelines that go on and on and on at the level of bureaucracy. Red tape and says, no, Operation Warp Speed, we got to get an answer to this. Now we're on the precipice of having not just one, but perhaps two vaccines, literally within weeks or months. We have never seen this in this country like this before, ever. So not only does Biden accuse the President of the United States of failing the American people, now he says, we don't trust the President of the United States, even if he has a vaccine. But he doesn't have a vaccine. 
He created the environment, the management structure, the models to get one as quickly as possible and safely as possible. It's the experts, the scientists, the medical field, the pharmaceutical companies working with the FDA, NIH, HHS, the CDC. That's how this is being developed. So he's attacked for the deaths. You heard reporters say to the president, he's getting ready to fly out to a campaign. What do you have to say? We're now over the 200,000 limit. Notice they don't ask Cuomo that. They don't ask Murphy that. They don't ask the governor of Massachusetts or Connecticut or Louisiana or Rhode Island or D.C., the the mayor or, or the governor of Michigan, where most of the deaths have occurred, among other places. Notice they don't ask them. Because the narrative is out there now. That he has handled this incompetently. This is a lie. And coming from Joe Biden, who screwed up the whole swine flu situation, it's a disgusting lie. And then we're on the precipice of getting vaccines. Whether you folks want to use them or not is up to you. I intend to, but it's beside the point. The president is being attacked for that. And then you have people who are polled who say, we think Joe Biden would have done a better job. It's shocking. And I think the reason for this is the endless propaganda from the demagogues and the media. It is relentless. It is relentless. The lies are just regurgitated day in and day out. What do you think, Mr. President? We passed the 200,000 mark. What do you say to those people? Hundreds of thousands of people today, excuse me, this year are going to die from cancer. What do they say to those people? Joe Biden was president, excuse me, was in Washington, God forbid, was in Washington for half a century. Why wasn't there more progress made? You see, this is quite appalling. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today, we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Again, folks in the suburbs, everybody, but especially them, apparently they are a weak underbelly here. Normalcy and unity, the Democrats say. They want to pack the Supreme Court. They want to pack the United States Senate. 
They want to pack the Supreme Court so they win every decision on political grounds. They want to pack the Senate so the Republicans can never have a majority in the Senate. They want to get rid of the filibuster rule so there's no check on any law that they pass. None. What else do they want to do? They want to impeach the President and the Attorney General if they don't get their way. Their supporters are the rioters and the looters and the arsonists. Antifa and Black Lives Matter, which by the way just broomed its mission statement to change it so you're not as offended with them. But of course, we know what their mission statement is. And they also want to destroy the suburbs. They want to end local zoning. They want to end single-family homes. They want to create dense homes uh, and, and transportation hubs and so forth and so on. So they want to destroy the very suburbs where they're hoping to get the votes. And yet they talk about normalcy and unity. There's nothing normal or uniting about any of this. Any of it. And so they throw these political Molotov cocktails and their voters throw actual Molotov cocktails and then they say, look at Donald Trump, he's a divisive force. Look at Donald Trump's tweeting. So they create the chaos, the riots, the mayhem. And then they point in the other direction. They are Saul Alinsky Marxists. That's what they've become. Many of them don't even realize it, but that's what they've become. Later in the program... Candace Owens, Tom Cotton, and of course me. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You notice... Many of the things I say on this program are repeated in a day or two in the rest of the media. You also notice that it can be heard in various state legislatures, halls of Congress. That's because even though we have fun and we entertain here, I'm as serious as a heart attack. I should know I've had an heart attack. I want to quickly play this before we move on, and we shall. Anthony Fauci, I've looked this up. Before the show, March 29th, CNN, cut 15, Mr. Producer, go. So when you use numbers like a million, a million and a half, two million, that almost certainly is off the chart. Now, it's not impossible, but very, very unlikely. So it's difficult to present. I mean, looking at what we're seeing now, you know, I would say between 100 and 200,000 cases, but I don't want to be held to that because it's, it's, it's excuse me, deaths. I mean, we're, we're going to have millions of cases. So he said there were 100 to 200,000 cases. I don't want to be held to that. And we're at 200,000 cases now. Had the president known how Cuomo and Murphy, Pritzker, Whitmer, Newsom, and these various other uh, uh, Democrat-governed states had conducted themselves, uh, I suspect the estimate would have been much higher. Much higher. 
But uh, I want to move on a little bit to the Supreme Court. First of all, the media. The media in this country is extraordinarily dangerous. Uh, in many respects, they brought us to this place. They have celebrated, if not encouraged, the rioting and the burning. They have celebrated and encouraged the, uh, the disassembly of our republic. And they continue to do so. And so many of these networks that have just Democrats on uh, keep prodding the Democrats to do something. You saw Stephanopoulos the other day pushing for impeachment. Here's a montage of the media egging on Democrats to commit to packing the Supreme Court hat tip Grabian cut one go. If the Republicans manage to essentially steal a second Supreme Court seat, the only way that we restore fairness is for Congress uh, to pass an act expanding the court. Do you say Democrats, if they get back the Senate in this election in November, should then expand, move to expand the Supreme Court? Are you in favor of trying to expand the, the numbers of justices on the Supreme Court? Like the idea of eliminating the filibuster, should they do that? As you know, uh, some uh, Democrats are openly threatening to try to pack the Supreme Court with additional justices. Would you agree with that? Potentially changing the number of justices on the court, changing the filibuster, changing the number of states in the union. Adding seats to the Supreme Court and getting rid of the filibuster. Do you support those two things? You know, there, there is nothing in the Constitution that says there has to be nine Supreme Court justices. One response from the Democrats might be to pack the court. What we'll do is very simple. We'll add uh, D.C. and Puerto Rico as states. That's four new senators. We'll add two new Supreme Court justices. Will they really add the two seats? Why wouldn't they? Because they're weak and they're wimps and they're afraid. Okay, so uh, hearing all this and all the threats, I threw a hook out there. And, of course, this clown from Politico bit, this backwater left-wing kook site, raw story, they bit. I said, okay. So we should, when and if we take the Senate back, God forbid if the Democrats take it, we should give America Samoa two seats, Mr. Producer. Their delegate right now is a Republican. And we should consider uh, talking to Florida and Texas about breaking into a few states where we can get more Republican senators. Of course, we have geniuses posting, California, California. Well, you may have checked. We don't control California, so that won't happen. But we could work with the legislatures in Texas and Florida and the governors there and figure out how to do it. We can do things, too, against the totalitarians. If everything's up for grabs, or to quote the fascistic Chucky Schumer, nothing's off the table. Well, if nothing's off the table, then nothing's off the table. We can add to the Senate, too. If they add to the Supreme Court, we'll add a number to the Supreme Court, too. If they want to get rid of the filibuster and we take the Senate, we'll do everything we can to reverse what they've done and then ram through what we wish to ram through. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, if the Democrats succeed at what they want to do, we do not have a constitutional republic anymore. It's gone. The Supreme Court's gone. The Senate's gone. The legislative process is gone. It's gone. That's why this election's so crucial. That's why I don't understand... Oh, the people in the suburbs, are they're leaning towards Biden. There's absolutely no reason to lean towards Biden 
unless you want to commit national suicide. But that's the media. You just heard them. Hey, you're going to pack the court? Hey, pack the court. You're going to pack the court? Why pack the court? Why wouldn't they? Because they're weasels. They're not going to act. Pack the court. Pack the court. Now, of course, they don't quote their angel, their idol, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, on National Pubic Radio in July 2019, just a little over a year ago. Hat tip the blaze for digging this out. They say they love her. And yet they ignore her. Cut two, go. I have heard that there are some people on the Democratic side who would like to increase the number of judges. I think that was a bad idea when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt tried to pack the court. His plan was for every justice who stays on the court past the age of 70, the president would have authority to nominate another justice. If that plan had been effective, the court's number would have swelled immediately from 9 to 15, and the president would have six appointments to make. You mentioned before um, the court appearing partisan. Well, if anything would make the court appear partisan, it would be that. One side saying, when we're in power, we're going to enlarge the number of judges, so we will have more people who will vote the way we want them to. You haven't heard anybody else play that. I want to thank our friends at The Blaze for digging that up and finding it. You haven't seen it on cable or network or anywhere else. But there she is. 14 months ago. Bad idea to increase the number of judges, justices on the court. It's funny how the Democrats and the media, one and the same, cherry pick, isn't it? How dishonest they are when it comes to talking to you. Mediaite won't play that. Media Matters won't play that. The freakish Drudge Report won't link to that. None of them will. You won't hear it on ABC, NBC, or CBS, or MSLSD, CNN. You won't hear any of that. Now, I'm going to make this point. There is a point at which a so-called news organization needs to police itself. And when you have a reprobate like D. Lemon on CNN... and CNN fails to police itself, then it's contributing to the violence, to the threats, and to the rest that's going on in this country. I want you to listen to this back and forth, and shockingly, Fredo was trying to to do the right thing, that took place last night on the Constipated News Network. Cut five, go. Klobuchar and others back then were saying, hey, you've got to have a full bench. You've got to have a full bench. Because of what the Republicans did in 2016. Democrats didn't do that in 2016. If Democrats actually put the person, wanted the person that was in office now to do it, they would be making the same choice. They would be, they would, they would be consistent with their principles. Now, let, let's just stop a second. 
just how, how asinine this whole discussion is, and not just him. President of the United States nominates somebody. Obama, he's a Democrat. The Republicans in the Senate, they're supposed to confirm who Obama wanted on the court. Is that what the Constitution says? No. The Republicans control the Senate. They can confirm or not confirm, whether it's in the first year of a presidency or in the eighth year of a president who serves two terms. They're not required to vote up or down on anybody. There's no precedent that requires them to do it. There's no constitutional edict that requires them to do it. So Obama makes this nomination to replace Scalia, and the Republicans say, no, we're not going to do it. Now we have a Republican president who's making the nomination. The Republicans still control the Senate. They say, yeah, we are going to do it. Why is that controversial? Everybody knows the Democrats would do exactly the same thing. There's nothing controversial about it. The Senate is a political body. That's what it is. And they're to abide by the Constitution, which is exactly what they're doing. What the Democrats hate is they believe they own the Supreme Court. And I'm sick and tired of hearing on TV, even by people who should know better, that there are five conservatives on the court and this will make six. There are not five conservatives on the court. John Roberts is gone. Gorsuch is wobbly. God knows where Kavanaugh is going to wind up. There are two constitutionalists on the court, not conservatives. This isn't a political party. And that would be Alito and Thomas. That's it. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think that most people don't agree with that idea, which is why they don't care about the difference between left and right. See, until you have a group of people that decide to consistently be better than what they reject, you're going to have people in the exact position they are right now, Don, which is no matter what happens, everybody sticks we're to We're going to have to blow up the entire system. And you know what we're going to have to do? No, I don't know. You know what we're going to yes, yeah. we, we have to do? See, language bother. like that. We're going to have to blow up the entire system. What's that sound like? Antifa? Black Lives Matter? We're going to burn down the system if the system doesn't give us what we want. What do you think about that, suburbs? Go ahead. From what your closing argument is, you're going to have to get rid of the Electoral College. Because the people... So now we've got to get rid of the Electoral College. We have to destroy the Supreme Court, destroy the Senate, destroy the legislative process. And if Trump doesn't go along with all this... They're threatening to impeach him. Now, don't tell me that these aren't fascistic thugs, which is exactly what the Democrat Party has turned into. Don't tell me when I say they're not democratic socialists. They're Marxists that embrace uh, Cloward and Piven and Alinsky and so many others. Don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. That's exactly what's going on here. Burn things down. Destroy things. The system is full of people who have disagreements. That's why the system is so important. You burn the system down, then there's no rule of law. Go ahead. Because the, the minority in this country decides who the judges are and they decide who the president is. is but you that, need a is constitutional amendment to do that. And if Democrats, if Joe Biden wins... Let's stop and listen to what he just said. The minority in this country decides who the judges are and they decide who the president is. So he wants majority rule? The black population is 13% of the population in this country. He wants majority rule? Really? 
Majority rule. The system is set up to ensure that there's input from all factions, that no faction has complete control over the system. If we had a pure democracy and majority rule in every instance, how do you think minorities as a people would, would, would do in this country over the long course of history? And putting aside all that, how do you think you would do, regardless of your background, when people can vote on your unalienable rights? Unalienable rights. God-given unalienable rights. The framers, who they hate, feared the mob and majority rule, and they feared minority rule, and they feared monarchies. That's why they created a constitutional representative republic. Now, I know this is way over LeBron James's head. I know this is way over Chuck Schumer's head. I know the left can't comprehend it or don't care because they become a bunch of totalitarians. But if you like your liberty, you better pay attention to what I'm telling you. Go ahead. Stack the courts, and they can do that amendment, and they can get it passed. Stack the courts? Stack the courts. Has abortion been overruled, Mr. Producer, yes or no? No. Do we now have officially recognized gay marriage in this country? Yes. Can I go right down the list of positions that are now a matter of constitutional law where a lot of people in this country, at one point a majority in this country, rejected? And he says the minority controls? This guy's an ass. Go ahead. Two-thirds vote in the Congress in three-quarters of the state legislature. They may be able to do that. Maybe, but that's a, that's a tall task. I think if people vote, if you had 80% participation in our elections... <laughs> I'm in so much trouble, you know have, why. It's your show. What's better than this? Everybody, what do people say when they stop us on the street? <laughs> I love you guys. I love it when you argue, whatever. But that doesn't mean I, have, I can't... I gotta, I gotta get to the business at hand. No, you're an idiot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. The Democrat Party, as I've said many times, has always wanted to burn down the country. From its deep roots in the Confederacy, the Democrat Party went to war with the rest of the country. Its hundred-year run on segregation would not accept the result of the Civil War. And now today, where they want to pack the Supreme Court, 
forever change it. In other words, control it like a Politburo. They talk about Putin. They are the Putin of, Repu- of uh, American politics. They want to destroy the United States Senate? Pack it. By creating states where states don't exist and then assigning senators to those states. The filibuster rule, Roberts' rules of order, and the Jefferson rules that have been written over time to make the Senate different than the House, to slow things down, they want to destroy that because they see an opportunity here. Even if they have a one-vote majority, two-vote majority, they want to ram home massively radical legislation that will forever change the country. They now have threatened to use impeachment again against a president who is following the Constitution. And so they want to use impeachment as a tool to threaten and terrorize a president who has a different viewpoint and is from a different party. This is the nature of the Democrat Party. is an anti-American party. It's an anti-Constitution party. It's an anti-liberty party. It's an anti-capitalism party. It's the party of Antifa and Black Lives Matter. It's the party of Bernie Sanders. It's the party of all these things. This should be a landslide election. And don't tell me, well, Trump this has nothing to do with Trump. The enemy's looking you straight in the eye. If it was Trump or Bush, it didn't matter. This is who they are, and they're on the move. Mark Levin, the George S. Patton of Talk Radio. Call him at 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. By the way, if I'm asked, I think Barrett is superior to Lagoa of Florida. The arguments being made for Lagoa, who's been on the federal bench about two and a half minutes, is all political. That she's a Cuban-American, that's good. Uh, And that'll help with Florida. But Barrett, ladies and gentlemen, as best as I can discern, is the top of the class if you're going to pick among the women. And this is a lifetime appointment. And so she can be on the court for 40 years, 35, 40 years. I believe she's 48 years old. If we're going to have blood on the ground and we're going to duke this out, let's get it right. Let's get it right. From a political perspective, I also think it would be an outstanding nomination. She is Catholic. And look, it's like Jews and so forth. They're Jews and Jews and there's Catholics and Catholics. But she's a serious Catholic and I know this. Because she's already under attack for her faith. And I want America to know this by Reuters. Some have likened people of praise, a self-described charismatic Christian community to the totalitarian male-dominated society of Margaret Atwood's novel The Handmaid's Tale. Others call it an ultra-conservative group with an unusual mix of Roman Catholic and Pentecostal traditions. In any case, there's been renewed interest in the group since U.S. President Donald Trump, but one of its purported members, Judge Amy Coney Barrett of the 7th District Court of Appeals, won a short list of candidates for elevation to the Supreme Court. This is Reuters. So they're already smearing her and her faith because they hate religion 
And they hate people who are faithful. So they're already starting with their bigotry in the media. This stuff is fed to the media by left-wing organizations and by left-wing politicians. Because Daniel Trotta of Reuters is just too stupid to investigate these things himself. So they're trashing her faith and they're trashing her. They're trashing her faith and they're trashing her. And this is exactly right when the president says the media are the enemy of the people. They are the enemy of the people. Rather than scrutinizing what the Democrats are up to, they're not going to trash this woman in her faith. She has seven children. She's adopted two kids. Two of the kids she's adopted are from Haiti. They're black. One of them is a special needs kid. By all accounts, she's a loving mother, a loving wife, a decent human being. But that's not good enough. No. And so the trashing begins. The, the bigotry against religion begins, particularly Catholicism. Particularly Catholicism. Now, Lagoa, I believe that's her name, who was recently appointed to the circuit court by the president, is from Florida. So the entire Florida delegation is behind her. And the arguments they make in the media, and I just read them, are all political. That makes me very nervous. Very nervous. I remember Justice Souter, who was a blank slate, turned out to be a leftist. Justice Kennedy, there were serious questions about him, turned out, in my view, to be quite the disaster. Sandra Day O'Connor, where Ronald Reagan was looking for a female judge, there weren't many on the federal bench. So he reached into the Court of Appeals in Arizona because Barry Goldwater recommended Sandra Day O'Connor. Their families went back a generation or two. Started out strong, turned out to be a disaster in my view. Harry Blackman. Out of Minnesota, Nixon appointee. Started strong, turned out to be a disaster. And I can go on and on and on. Washington, D.C., what they do, just so you know, and it's happened to Gorsuch, is all the social invitations go out. The Kennedy Center events go out. The cocktail parties. And Gorsuch is into that. And it has an effect. Just like when you send Tea Party members to a John Boehner-controlled Republican House of Representatives, we gave them the control, they immediately work their will, and we lose so many of them. That's exactly what happens on the Supreme Court. You have writers for the New York Times and the Washington Post and others who will write these grand stories about justices if they move to the left. That's what's happened with John Roberts. His ego is massive. I even believe he's a leaker. That's just my opinion. Because he always turns out well in these stories. They can kind of tell who the leakers are. So now they're trashing her religion. And her, because she's religious. And that's why they want to stack the court. If you do not believe in abortion, you're not allowed to serve your government. That's it. The Democrats have a litmus test. You don't support 
their agenda. And you can hear Each and Schumer going down their list. This right, and that right, and this right, and that right. It's their agenda. It's not a right. It's the socialist agenda. You're going to lose your health care, my God. No, you're not. Anybody with pre-existing condition, they're going to knock out Obamacare. You won't be covered. Yes, you will. 130 million people won't have health care anymore. Yes, they will. They want to get rid of labor unions. No, they can't. And it goes on and on and on. With one justice. Has all that power. They want to stack the court with radicals. This is why, as I keep saying, Joe Biden will not release his list. Because it's filled with radicals who would be closely examined and analyzed right here for you, millions of you, and then you would realize what Joe Biden really is. They're hiding the ball because they're hiding their, their list of nominees, potential nominees. And then conservatives can go down the list. This one will destroy private property rights. This one will destroy the suburbs. This one believes in affirmative action. This one believes in this. This one believes in that. They don't want to have that discussion. So they're ducking it because they're dishonest. Joe Biden hasn't said Schumer's wrong, AOC's wrong. He hasn't come out and said anything because Joe Biden favors it. Joe Biden will do anything he has to do for power to become president and all the rest of it. And that's a fact. So I don't think there's really much competition if it's between Lagos or Lagos and Bennett. Excuse me, and Barrett. Uh, I really don't. Uh, I think in Lagos we're getting really uh, somebody who may be perfectly well, but we don't know. She's not been in any, involved in any significant decisions while she's been on the court. And this sort of thing makes me nervous. They hate Barrett and they hate her for a reason. They hate Barrett and they hate her for a reason. And here they are attacking her in Reuters. That she's ultra conservative. Notice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was never ultra liberal. And yet she was. But Barrett's ultra conservative. You don't hear this about Lagos, the other one, right? You don't hear, oh, she's ultra conservative. You better watch out for a religion. No, no, no. No, they're all focused on destroying Barrett. Barrett did not immediately respond on Tuesday to request for a comment made through a clerk at the Seventh Circuit. So now they're trying to get Barrett to respond to their bigotry at Reuters. Is that not amazing to you? And it goes on. I'm not going to give this the, uh, the attention that these uh, reporters, uh, this reporter Reuters uh, desperately seeks. But it is disgusting. You know, a mortgage refinance might be the smartest move you make all year, and for many reasons. It could keep you, uh, you, you could keep more interest, uh, and uh, rather than paying all that interest, you can keep the money in your bank account. It could help you retire earlier, maybe even pay off your loan sooner. But in order for it to really work, 
you have to be sure you're choosing the right loan with the right lender. And I have the right lender for you. American Financing, I've mentioned to you that Mr. Producer used them and my daughter and son-in-law used them and they love them. They're very good at what they do. And I recommend them highly to you, American Financing. They are family-owned with a stellar reputation. Their mortgage consultants can customize any loan in the industry. And they're sure to find the perfect program for your needs without ever pressuring you. And you know what else? They don't charge up front or hidden fees either. They only want what's best for you, putting your needs or your budget first. So if you're interested in saving up to $1,000 a month, and think about that over a number of years. Over years, it's tens of thousands of dollars. Make the call to American Financing right now. That is the lender I recommend, the family-owned lender. American Financing. You'll be glad you did. Here's their number, 888 1828 888-900-1828, 888-900-1828, or visit AmericanFinancingNMLS182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. And I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Is Michael Bloomberg in Florida violating the campaign laws or any criminal statutes? Mike G- uh, Matt Gates is calling on the Florida Attorney General to law in- uh, launch an investigation into Bloomberg. And what is he talking about? He's talking about an extremely serious matter, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what's going on in Florida with Michael Bloomberg. As I pull it up right here, let's see here, Mr. Producer. Bear with me, folks. Let's see. This is from the Daily Mail. Is Bloomberg trying to buy the Florida vote? Billionaire pays off more than $20 million in debt for 31,000 felons so they can vote in the state where just 537 votes decided the presidential election in 2000. Bloomberg paid off $20 million in debt for 31,000 felons. The move comes just days after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis won a court victory to keep felons from voting until they've paid off their fines, restitution, and court fees. Other donors include John Legend, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, who's gone south, MTV, Comedy Central, VH1, Ben & Jerry's, Levi Strauss & Company, and the Miami Dolphins. The billionaire has also pledged $100 million to help Joe Biden win in Florida. Now, this is very, very important, ladies and gentlemen. A Bloomberg advisor told the Washington Post, Mike wanted to get this done for two reasons. One, because it's the right thing to do for the democracy. And two, because it immediately activates tens of thousands of voters who are predisposed to vote for Joe Biden. So Joe Biden wins the felon vote, hands down, by the way. But this move comes just days after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis won a court victory to keep felons from voting until they've paid off their fines, restitution, and court fees. Now, he steps in Bloomberg and he pays it off. 
pays it off. The Florida Rights Restitution Coalition had raised about $5 million before Bloomberg made calls to raise almost $17 million more. The money is targeted for felons who registered to vote while the law was in question and who owe $1,500 or less. Organizers for the group say they aren't targeting people registered with a particular party. Ah, BS. If they know that the vast majority of ex-felons are going to vote Democrat, we know what they're doing. So the question is, is this an illegal or even criminal violation of federal campaign and state campaign laws? And yes, the Attorney General of Florida needs to immediately, immediately initiate an investigation. I would argue that the Department of Justice needs to immediately initiate, initiate an investigation. There's all kinds of activity going on out there from courts to donors. Dark money. Hundreds of millions of dollars pouring into the Biden campaign from people who mention their, their profession and their employer as unemployed. So you can barely track down where all this money's coming from. Bloomberg comes into Florida. I'm going to drop $100 million there, he says. And now he's paying off the debt that is owed by felons so they can vote. The issue is whether that is a bribe. Is it a bribe? Is it 31,000 bribes? That's the question. The criminal division of the United States Department of Justice the criminal division of the Attorney General's office in the state of Florida, the U.S. Attorney's office in Florida must immediately initiate an investigation to determine whether Mike Bloomberg has violated federal or state criminal statutes or election laws. I'm not saying he has. But this is of the moment. It must be investigated. We have a corrupt Supreme Court in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, my home state. Seven elected members, five of whom are left-wing Democrats, who just ruled in a way that is intended to help Joe Biden, as I discussed the other day. The executive branch, run by a leftist, the governor, has also ruled that you don't even have to have matching signatures to have your vote counted. Shocking. You have one judge, state judge, in the state of Michigan, who has extended the voting period, the counting period, by two weeks. You have a federal judge who has also stepped in and extended the voting period. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how many more times I can say this. Under our federal constitution, Article 2, the state legislatures have the final say and the only say on how electors are chosen. So you know what they did in Pennsylvania, which controls both houses? They brought a federal lawsuit. What kind of idiots are we dealing with in Pennsylvania? A federal lawsuit pass a binding resolution holding that the Supreme Court's edict is null and void, holding that the executive branch's edict is null and void. The legislature has the authority. These gutless wonders in Pennsylvania, they better wake the hell up in that state legislature. What have they done in Michigan so far? They've gone to court. Don't go to court. Exercise your federal constitutional authority. It's right there. The Republican state legislatures in the battleground states. What the hell are they doing? And then a federal judge in Wisconsin does essentially the same thing. The Wisconsin legislature is Republican. 
If they don't act, we will lose this election. Not because the Democrats have more votes in battleground states, but because they're stealing the election. Now, Michael Bloomberg needs to be investigated by federal and state authorities, and he needs to be investigated immediately. So do all the others who are participating in this. All the others. John Legend, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, MTV, Comedy Central, Ben and Jerry's, Levi Strauss, Miami Dolphins, to determine whether they have violated election laws or criminal statutes. I'm not saying they have, but we need to know. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to read your story. At Town Hall, one of the great sites, by Leah Barkukis. A white bar owner in Nebraska committed suicide months after he fatally shot a black rider who vandalized his business and attacked him. Though prosecutors originally deemed the shooting was in self-defense after reviewing video and witness testimony... The position was reversed after pressure. Quote, Mr. Jake Gardner, as we now know, has said, I did what I did to defend myself, and we find that we can't disprove that from the evidence that we have, Douglas County Attorney Don Klein said in June. According to Klein, James Skurlock, the victim, jumped on Gardner's back and started to choke him. After Gardner fired two warning shots in front of his business during the height of violent George Floyd protests in May. Quote, words are exchanged and Gardner ends up on his back in the middle of the street when the shots are fired, including the one that hit Skurlock in the neck and killed him, the New York Post reported at the time. So the bar owner is on his back. The perpetrator is choking him. He fires, fires shots into the sky, one of them uh, in the neck of Skurlock. Then things changed earlier this month. The prosecutor, Klein, asked the grand jury to take a look at the case after his decision was criticized, saying he wanted people to have faith in the justice system. Critics had said that Skurlock was just trying to stop Gardner from hurting anyone. Gardner was then indicted on several counts. Manslaughter, use of a deadly weapon to commit a felony, attempted first-degree assault and terrorist threats, KETV reported. 
This Sunday, he was found dead outside a medical clinic near Portland, Oregon, from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Gardner's attorney said he feared for his life in Omaha after receiving death threats. Dornan, the attorney, said Gardner was a decorated veteran of multiple tours in Iraq, saying he suffered two traumatic brain injuries. Gardner said he felt like he was in a war zone the night of Skirlock's death. I want to make it very clear that this was a clear case of self-defense, his attorney said, describing Gardner as cooperating with the police. The lawyer, Dornan, said that Gardner left Omaha following Sherlock's death amid death threats and went to California. The grand jury indictment was a shock to him, his lawyer said. He was really shaken up. He said Gardner was difficult to reach due to the fires in California, but that he did intend to return to Omaha. He was going to be accompanied back to Omaha by a fellow veteran. Attorney Tom Monaghan said the social media convicted Gardner before the grand jury even indicted him. There's no way to defend the lies on social media. When you respond, you only make it worse, his lawyer said. We have to stop the lies. He said Gardner was afraid of returning to Omaha, and he had hired a bodyguard. Jake Gardner was worried he was going to get shot on the way here, that some of those folks would give him death, gave him death threats, would carry through with them, said Lawyer Morgenthau. Lawyer Dornan said, who can blame Gardner for not believing he would get a fair trial? He said he was frustrated he did not have the opportunity to prove Gardner's innocence. Here's a man who wakes up in the morning, has a small business. He's the owner of a bar, a Nebraska bar owner, minding his own business. He's white. And nobody knows who he is. Not a word from a single ESPN sportscaster. Not a word from a single NBA or NFL athlete. Not a word from any of the major networks. Nothing on cable TV that, I, that I've seen. An innocent man who was assaulted, whose life was threatened, whose business was attacked, caught in the middle of a riot, trying to defend himself, is back on the ground, he's being choked, fires two warning shots in front of his business, that's why they attacked him. In the middle of the street, on his back, shots are fired. One of them hits Skurlock in the neck, who'd been assaulting him. The prosecutor says, look, it was self-defense. Then after pressure from the mob, he indicts him on multiple counts for which he could wind up serving life in prison. And he decides it's just not worth it. That he can't get a fair trial. That they're death threats. He's fearful for his life. He's a veteran. And he kills himself. I wanted to make sure you heard of this man. Jake Gardner.
on the Mark Levin app. Mike, in the Show Me State of Missouri. How are you, sir? Doing great. Great one. How are you doing? I'm all right. How may I help you? Yes, I just wanted to make a comment about what Bloomberg and all them's doing. I own a small restaurant, and uh, four years ago, I put out on our Facebook and stuff that we were going to give away a one free homemade donut to anyone that come in that was wearing a I Voted sticker, just to promote people who got voted. Well, I had a election official stop by before the date and uh, tell me to take that down. I could not do that. And so it wasn't for one party or another. It's just if you vote, I'll give you a donut. Yes, sir. Now, so I tell you, I was like, well, I guess I'll give away free donuts to everybody then. I, you know, I'm just trying to promote people to go out and vote. Now, isn't it amazing? We have Bloomberg that has spent millions now, and not only him, but these other millionaires like Michael Jordan and LeBron James and these various companies have poured millions into the state of Florida to pay off the debt that is owed by uh, felons so the felons can vote because they know 80% of them are going to vote Democrat? Yes, sir. i got to believe that violates some law, don't you? I, if it does in our little town, it should everywhere, I would think. Look, and, and I don't know, but that definitely smells like bribery to me. You're bribing people to vote by paying off their debt. <laughs> Instead of a donut. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, a donut. Well, let's see what happens. The U.S. attorney in Florida needs to wake up. The attorney general in Florida needs to wake up. The criminal division in the Department of Justice, they need to be stirred. This is a big deal. When a billionaire walks into a state and starts paying off people's debt as a condition for them to vote, and he's joined by others who are clearly associated with Democrats and the Democrat Party and the Biden campaign, the question is, what's going to be done about this? I think the people of the United States have had enough of it. Thanks, Mike. Excellent call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Welcome back, America. Senator Tom Cotton, who is a great senator, who is a veteran, a combat veteran. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Mark. Thank you for the kind words. Thanks for having me back on. It's my pleasure. You know, uh, Senator, uh, this um, stuff about the Supreme Court really is bizarre. It is a power grab by the left where they talk about packing the court. The media don't really criticize them for these comments. They criticize 
The Republicans say to the president for following the Constitution, they want to pack the Senate. They want to eliminate the filibuster rule. They're talking about impeaching the president. They are reckless thugs. And yeah. uh, this, this is what's going to happen during election night, I fear. Yeah, Mark, um, let, me, let me just point out to you and all your listeners that what the Democrats are threatening to do, should we exercise our constitutional responsibility, they were already promising to do in the first place. The Democrats mm-hmm. are threatening to riot in the streets. Well, Democrats have been rioting in the streets for four months. Mm-hmm. And they've been promising to eliminate the filibuster and to make Washington, D.C. a state and to pack the Supreme Court and to pass Nancy Pelosi's radical voting law and to grant amnesty and voting rights to 15 million illegals. They've already been promising to take these radical steps. That's not a reason for Republicans to refuse to do our job. It is a reason for Americans not to vote for Democrats because they trusted with power. What do you make of these reports uh, that the suburbs are moving towards Biden. Why in the world, given Biden's plan for the suburbs, given the violence that the Democrat Party has really, in my view, stoked, why would the suburbs be mu- moving toward Biden? Do you believe that? Yeah, well, we will see in uh, about six weeks, if it's the case, uh, if people uh, around the country um, want to put their hand, their life, and their property in the hands of these radical Democrats. Um, and what happens when you entrust a mayor's office or governor's office to a Democrat in places like Minneapolis and Portland and Seattle? Um, do you really want President of the United States and a general, other than calling for call, deploying the National Guard, we're not very prosecuting? We're, we're getting hiccups in your call. Can, can we uh, re-hook hook up with you real fast again? Um, Mr. Producer, can you handle this, please? Yeah, we're getting hiccups, as you all can hear, and I, the senator has important things to say, and I want you to hear them. Uh, in the meantime, just so you know, it is breaking news. Air Force Two, carrying the vice president of the United States, had to turn back to go to Washington. Uh, it's believed to be uh, the fact that it, uh, uh, that it hit a bird shortly after takeoff. And by the way, those are dangerous as hell. Uh, so they've since returned, and they landed safely. So the vice president of the United States, Air Force Two, had to turn around and come back to Washington, D.C., because they believe it hit a bird. Maybe he should have stayed on with me for 30 seconds longer, Mr. Producer. Then that may not have happened. You never know. But they're safe. Senator Cotton, you were saying, sir, I'm sorry. Apologies for that, Mark. Yeah. The uh, infrastructure and uh, wireless network that we have around here is exactly what you'd have <laughs> nationwide in your infrastructure if you trust it to Joe Biden and the Democrats. <laughs> uh, but no, I was saying suburban voters, um, I cannot imagine, will want to trust their lives, their family safety, their property in the hands of Joe Biden and these radical Democrats who have been celebrating rioters in the street for the last four months, who refuse to prosecute them, who sometimes refuse to even arrest them. So we'll see in six weeks uh, how the votes turn out. You know, there's a report out tonight, and Matt Gates is all over this, thankfully, that Bloomberg and other very wealthy people are paying off the debt that felons, ex-felons in Florida owe because there was a court case that the governor, DeSantis, won there, that they have to pay off their debt before they can vote. They're going down there. They're paying off the debt of 31,000 ex-felons because, as they point out, the vast majority are going to vote Democrat. 
Doesn't that sound strikingly like bribery or something to you? It, uh, it is pretty telling that the Democrats think that uh, the felon vote goes for them and that they are willing to uh, pony up to pay off the fines that these uh, convicted criminals have faced and have refused or been unable to pay off thus far. And people should keep that in mind, that the Democrats are the party of ex-cons and felons, people who obviously have shown no respect for the law in the past and who have uh, a vested interest in having laws and prosecutors and executives um, who are lax on criminal law enforcement. You know, when I was a kid working precincts, long time ago, uh, Senator, for Ronald Reagan in 76 and 80 in Pennsylvania, um, if we had done anything, certainly uh, financially, to ensure that people could vote, I think I'd be in prison still. I just find this to be unbelievable, that billionaire can go in there and pay off people's debts so they can vote. That, that, that just smells to me. I want to talk to you about China. I thought the president really laid into China today, and rightly so, at the United Nations. China is a grave threat to America, isn't it? And tell everybody why. China is the gravest threat we face. In some ways, it's a more grave threat than was the Soviet Union because its economy is so much larger and more powerful, and we've allowed its economy to become so entangled with our economy. So there's a vast China lobby in corporate America and in Washington that is basically standing up for the interests of the Chinese Communist Party, not for American workers and American families. Now, we still have the world's strongest economy. We still have the world's strongest military, but it is past time that we recognize recognize the threat that Chinese communism poses to us. One of the biggest accomplishments of President Trump's tenure is to move public opinion to recognize what a threat China is. We should have recognized this long ago. You know, I've got a bill, Mark, that would repeal the permanent grant of most favored nation status to China and require annual review, as we did back in the 1990s. We never should have stopped that. It helped offshore millions of our jobs to China. It's time to start taking steps to stand up to China, to bring those jobs back, and to check Chinese ambitions to dominate the world and to replace the United States as the world's leading superpower. You think Joe Biden's up to this? No, of course he's not. I mean, the only job Joe Biden ever created in 47 years of dealing with China is for his son, Hunter Biden. Mm -hmm. Um, Joe Biden literally goes and toasts Xi Jinping, the dictator of China. Um, There is no chance that Joe Biden will do anything other than return to the accommodationist and appeasement policy that we had towards China throughout uh, the Obama-Biden administration. It's frightening, isn't it? Because they they undermine the United States military, Obama and Biden. Uh, They actually undermine the Veterans Administration. He goes out there talking about the military. He has shown no support for the military, has he? No, he's, Joe Biden has been wrong in every major foreign policy and national security question for 47 years. Tom Cotton, I want to thank you, my friend. Keep up the good work, and, uh, and God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Levin says today, what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. The book is Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. The author is Candace Owens. Candace, how are you? Doing very well, Mark. It's great to join your radio show. All right. Now, a couple of things here. LeBron James, like every other day, keeps issuing these really outrageous statements like he's pouring fuel on the flames out there that uh, the black people, their vote doesn't count, uh, that we're never going to be equal in this country. What, what, do you, what is his endgame? You know, I honestly think this is one of those cases where when you're ignorant, uh, you tend to lash out and be really angry and irrational. And what I liken uh, to what the left has done to a lot of black athletes and people in black culture um, is they've almost infantilized them. And similar to how you might see a child acting out, they just get angrier and more frustrated when they're throwing a temper tantrum because they don't understand certain things. That's what I see in a lot of these NBA protests, and particularly in LeBron James. He's remarkably talented when you're talking about his physical capabilities, but I'm not so sure that his mental capabilities are up to par. And I heard a, uh, a sportscaster on ESPN. And by the way, ESPN only allows really one mentality, pretty much. Mm. And the sportscaster was saying, this is a historic time. And you either get on the right side of history or you don't. Think The right side of history, what are you talking about? I yeah, mean, exactly. What are they talking about? I don't even know what they're talking about. It is, it is incredible, the power of the human brain um, and, and really the power of the mainstream media and propaganda is what we're talking about. We have to talk about what the psychology of propaganda can do to people. We saw people change their entire lives and stop seeing uh, their, their parents, their children because of the death ticker of COVID-19, right? Well, imagine what people who are seeing images that are being shown to them by far left networks of black people out of context telling them that they're at, they're at war with police officers. You're seeing it starting to transform people's minds. Um, so it's almost a psychosis. Uh, there, there is no reality that black Americans are suffering at the hands of police officers um, and that there's police brutality. There is a reality that black Americans are committing more crimes, um, that black Americans that are being showed on these news networks are not abiding by police officers' orders in these circumstances. But nobody wants to have that realistic conversation. And that's Sort of what I put forth in my book, uh, you know, the thesis here is personal responsibility. Uh, you can't, we're not even asking for equality anymore. We seem to be asking for entitlements, right? You want to be able to grab a police officer's taser, punch him in the face, and, and make it home for dinner. And that's just not, that's not realistic, Mark. 
It's really a great book. I've read your book, Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. You can get it on Amazon.com. We have it up on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. You know, Biden seems to think that he's entitled to the black vote. And for the life of me, I can't even figure out what has he done, first of all, for America. But what has he done for the black community? You know, Mark, I'm going to have to stop you at when you said Biden seems to think, because he actually doesn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's your first mistake. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Biden is, is in my opinion, a, a remarkably senile candidate. Uh, senile most of all, not in just what office he's running for. You know, he said he's running for a Senate. Um, but he also just is not aware of his own history with black America. Um, he, he's forgotten about his record in the Senate. He's forgotten that he's argued for segregation on behalf of black Americans in the 1970s. Um, and he's he's hopeful, I guess, that uh, the rest of America is suffering uh, from the same dementia problems that he is. But I've certainly not forgotten. I, I think that black America is actually pretty well researched when it comes to him. And it's extraordinary to hear him make statements like, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, because it really shows you that the in terms of the left and in terms of the Democratic Party, they do not black Americans as individuals, individual agency. They see us as a collective and that we all have to think the same, act the same, and do the same under their party grip. Do you think these debate moderators will point out or ask Joe Biden about his relationship with Robert Byrd, who was a Klansman early on in his life, or his relationship with segregationists and how he said he could work with them the way... Kamala Harris attacked him. Do you think these moderators will do that during the debates? I do not expect or anticipate that they will do that at all. I'm hopeful Trump will toss that because I'm, I fully expect Biden uh, to be foolish enough to throw an insult at Trump about his, you know, his race record. I mean, uh, Biden launched his campaign talking about uh, President Trump being a racist, you know, a complete lie with no evidentiary support uh, to back up that claim. But he's got plenty of stuff in his closet, so I'm hopeful. Uh, that Biden uh, will will make the mistake of trying to say something like that to Trump, and Trump will, of course, be ready to respond. And you are correct. Uh, Robert Byrd was, was also his mentor. Joe Biden spoke uh, and eulogized him at the funeral, calling him a great man. And this man uh, was, you know, was a grand wizard in the KKK. And this, this information needs to get out, and that's why I do what I do, because we can no longer be deluded by emotion. We need to be given the facts, and we can make the best decision when we get to the polls. Do you think the president will get a bigger percentage of the, uh, of the black vote than, than recent Republican candidates? I know he will, and, um, and I, I know also that the Democrats know he will. So if you want to understand why you're seeing them harp on the race narrative harder um, and more aggressively than they've ever harped on in the past, it's because they know. They know they're looking at their internal polls and they're realizing that they're losing their permanent underclass, that permanent underclass being black America. Um, and so the only way that they know how to hold on to them is through fear tactics and constantly calling people racist, because the thing is, Trump delivered on results. People may have been apprehensive about Trump in 2016. They didn't know what to expect. He was a president character like we've never seen before, uh, audacious, bold. Well, now all the lies that they warned us, if this guy wins, you're going to be back on slave ships. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be picking cotton. They were so hyperbolic in their language. Well, guess what? They... What Trump did was he didn't deliver on any of the Democrats' promises. In fact, he did the exact opposite. Uh, he's giving, getting black America back on its feet. He's getting black America individualized and off of these government dependency programs. And for that reason, black Americans are now seeing the results, and they're going to show up for Donald J. Trump come November 3rd. 
You're listening to Candace Owens. The book is fantastic. It is Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. What was your, what was the point at which a light bulb went off and said, wait a minute, why the hell am I a liberal? I'm a conservative. What, what happened? Honestly, I thank the media for that, the, left, the leftist media. Um, they're so crazy, and they have just gone so overboard. So initially when Trump came down the escalator in 2015, I didn't want him to win. I was like, he doesn't have the experience. He hasn't been in D.C. Uh, he doesn't have the decorum. That was my thought process. I thought, you know, uh, we, need, we can't go from Obama to someone like Trump's boisterous personality. But then I was amazed at what the media did. Rather than just say he's not qualified, they called him a racist, a sexist, a misogynist. At one point, you'll recall, Mark, they said he, they even said he was incestuous and had feelings for Ivanka. I mean, there was he was literally Hitler. There were so many names, and I said to myself in that moment, wait a second, um, this man was loved by you guys for decades. I grew up listening to hip-hop music. People mentioned him, and rappers and artists, Beyonce and Jeezy, mentioned him in songs. Everybody wanted to be like Trump. He represented a symbol of status and of American wealth. Uh, he had won awards for his work in the black community in the past, and suddenly they were trying to convince me that he was a, an avowed racist and had just been getting away with it. So I asked myself a very important question then, and it is: it was, is it plausible that racism is now being used as a theme to turn black people into single-issue voters? And of course the answer was yes. Um, and I just started researching the facts and following the greats, Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams, Larry Elder, and I had my awakening, and, and I thank God for that moment. It changed my life. Mm-hmm. And it's relatively recent, as you point out, right? Three or four years ago? Yeah, about five or six years ago now. Um, but yeah, you know, I, yeah, from 2015, so f- five years. And it lit a fire in my belly. It, it, you know, I went through all of the emotions. I thought I was going crazy, Mark. I was like, what am I doing? I'm reading Fox News. <laughs> and yeah. I'm looking, you know, what's going on? Um, and then, sure enough, it, you know, I, I, I felt anger and a belly, a, a fire in my belly. And I realized it's not enough to just know this. I've been duped and lied to my entire life. I need to lead a movement of people to understand this and, and to perpetuate this truth so all of Black America can have this awakening and step inside the American dream. Do you feel like you're making progress? I know I'm making progress. I mean, I, I, mean, I cannot tell you uh, what it feels like when your book sells 100,000 copies in 24 hours, when black people are writing to you saying that you gave them their life back. And that sentence means so much to me because that's how I felt when I closed my first Thomas Soul book. I said, oh, my God, this man gave me my life back. I didn't even realize that I had been walking around with this weight, this weight of hate, of anger, of narcissistic, uh, of, of deceit, and that all comes with falling for this leftist ideology. They want you to believe in your in your victimhood at all times. And then when someone comes and alleviates that and says, actually, here's the truth, it literally feels like someone's turned the lights on and took a, a huge weight off of my shoulders, and I feel it's incumbent upon me to share that um, with the rest of the world. And, and, and we're seeing a difference now, and they know it. They know we're close. An animal backed into a corner fights the hardest, and right now the left is fighting the hardest that they ever have. Have you lost or any of your old friends, or how do family members react to all this? Um, I, I've lost two cousins in the process uh, very early on. I wonder what they're thinking now uh, because I, I had to stand by my ground. And, you know, it wasn't pretty. It was hard for my family altogether. You know, I went from being unknown to suddenly being in a rocket ship and being discussed and debated everywhere and being called a white supremacist, as ridiculous as it sounds. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> so 
you know, you're, it's, it's overnight. And it, it was hard because journalists were so um, leftists, were so anxious to get at me that they were going after my family members. And I felt that tremendous burden because I've chosen this life, but my family hasn't. They're, they're remarkably private. But we've pushed past it. And I, I, I'm proud to say that my family couldn't be more supportive of me in this moment. Um, and any friendships that I had to sacrifice in the process, I just think that they haven't had their awakening yet, and I understand it. And I'm hopeful that you know they'll tra- that, that my continued work will transform their perspective in the future. It's a very uplifting book. It's a very insightful book, folks. You obviously don't have to be black to read this book. It's inspiring, uh, and it's called Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. You can go directly to Amazon.com. If you're on my social sites, Mark Levin Facebook, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. Oh, I meant to mention Mark Levin Show. What's the other one, Mr. Producer? I'm sorry. Parlor, for God's sakes. Parlor, you can go over there, which we're advocating as well. Now, you know we love you here, right? Absolutely. You've got to have me back. I, I mean, I love doing your show. At any time, any day, I'll be here. We're a big fan of yours. So, yeah, we, we want to encourage uh, all you Levinites out there. If you haven't gotten a copy, get it. And after you read it, share it. And, okay, take care of yourself, Candace. Thank you so much. You have a great evening. All right, you too. She's terrific, isn't she, Mr. Producer? What are you whispering in my ear? What do you want me to do? Oh, yes, yes, yes. At least you're not whispering sweet nothings. Then we'd have a problem. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Richard, Omaha, Nebraska, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Yes, just thrilled to speak to you, Mark. Thank you, my friend. Yes, uh, God bless you and President Trump and Rush and Sean and all the other fellows that are doing the best they can right now to hold us all together. Amen. Amen. Go right ahead. I, um, I just thought I'd give you a quick idea here where I'm coming from. In 1969, January of the year, I landed in Travis Air Force Base after two years in Vietnam. The plane was loaded with Marines, and what we saw in the next few days, we were commenting to each other. It seems like the people that were trying to kill us over there beat us home. Mm-hmm. And now they're multiplied, and they're spreading all over the country. I know who they are. Mm-hmm. They don't know who they are. 
but I, I know who they are. And I'm worried now because I see a storm forming around Washington, D.C. And wasn't it, and you would know, I think, back in the 70s, didn't Richard Nixon bring in the 82nd Airborne, put them into Washington, D.C. to put down the destruction and the riots that were ripping the city apart? I, I don't remember how he did it, but he did it. I remember Reagan did it in California. I remember uh, we had mayors and governors, Democrats and Republicans, who wouldn't put up with this. And I suspect, I really do, Richard, uh, after this election, I have no way of knowing that if this keeps up, that the President of the United States will do the same thing, as he must. The problem is right now, he has a few ex-rogue generals uh, who are more interested in destroying him right now than protecting our streets. They've gone political and they've gone AWOL. It's very sad. Even though 275 generals and admirals have endorsed the President of the United States, and none of them are talked to, none of them are discussed uh, with media, with phony authors, or anything of the kind. So the president's going to have to do something. And the Democrats have already said they're going to take to the streets uh, if they don't win the election. Okay, well, you don't get to overthrow our government, and you should be punished. And hopefully they will be. I hope so, too. It's a divided country, I understand. But we have to survive, and the way we're going to have to survive is we're going to have to exercise the laws that we have on the books right now. By the the way, I want to thank you for your service. You know, we've always been a divided country, but the more radicalized the Democrat Party has become, the more Marxist-oriented it has become, it wants to destroy our country. So there's those of us, it's really simple, who want to defend our country and those who want to destroy it. Thank you, Richard. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and I want to thank you folks for watching Life, Liberty, and Levin and Levin TV and listening to this program. We'll start it all over again tomorrow, right here, same place, same time. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.